systems initiated. You are listening to the Empire Podcast Network. This is Jacob Young. Many of you have followed my career on television and in movies for the past 20 years. As Jacob Young, the actor, the characters I've played have had mountains of problems to overcome. Let's face it, nobody's life is perfect. And in real life, I've also had my fair share of challenges to face. This podcast series sponsored by Boys Town is a place to hear some of my famous friends talk about the issues that they've had to face and how they've jumped over those hurdles on a pathway to a healthy mental health. It's time to keep it real. With Real Conversations with Jacob Young. very special guest this week who happens to be part of one of my favorite rock bands. Uh, You've heard him as the bass player for the genre at the Fighting Group Three Doors Down. And of course that band has had a string of chart-topping hits. He's also a singer-songwriter and, interestingly enough, a designer and one of the coolest cats in the music business. His solo singles include songs like Use You, How a Man's Made, She Got the Highway, currently Wild Mustangs, but this song I can't get out of my head. Now that's uh, worth hanging on to. He's a little bit country. He's a little bit rock and roll. It's time to keep it real on Real Conversations with Jacob Young and my guest this week, Justin Biltonen. So Justin, you know, tell us about where you grew up, first of all. I grew up um, outside of Asheville, North Carolina, up in the mountains. Um, it's a uh, western North Carolina area. It's uh, beautiful up there. Yeah. Old country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, it's a beautiful spot, man. You know, we've actually, my wife and I have been talking about possibly finding a place in North Carolina up in the mountains a little ways. So you're inspiring me even that much more. There's a bunch of uh, really good, like, rustic areas up there through, like, Pisgah National Forest and uh, getting further west, like, right there on the Tennessee border. Um, beautiful, wide-open mountain country. So coming from a place like, and then you've traveled all over the place, obviously, with Three Doors Down and played lots of shows. But, you know, moving from a place like that into Nashville, what was that like for you? Um, it was a big adjustment. It was uh, someplace I've been, like, kind of dreaming to live in since I uh, started coming here, I think, in 2004 or five. I graduated high school in 2003 and uh, started coming over and doing music and all that kind of stuff. And 
it was a big city. I mean, it was going from my little small town with, uh, you know, knowing everybody to a big city where I had, you know, a couple of friends from the music thing, but it was, it was a big adjustment. And what was life, life like growing up for you as a kid? Um, you know, it was kind of typical good Southern family. We didn't have a lot of money, but, uh, it was me and my sister and my two parents are still together, which is, uh, kind of rare these days to have parents to stay together for, you know, 30, 40 <laughs> years. But, uh, you know, it was, we, we grew up good. It was, uh, a lot of time outdoors, uh, a lot of music around. Both my parents love music and were supportive of that. Um, a lot of church. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, sounds like a good family, man. And I read a story. You know, you, I mean, we we all have stories because I I started playing the harmonica about five years old, and of course when I could afford it because there wasn't a lot of money in my family, and there definitely wasn't a lot of gifts that were going around because there wasn't that the money there, but. I had a brother-in-law who had a guitar, and I started picking on it. And I remember finally getting my first guitar. I actually, it was my 18th birthday. I was in Las Vegas, and I somebody gave me a $1,000 chip, and I laid it on black. <laughs> and, and this is a true story. Laid it on black, and I doubled my money. And I walked away. Now, that didn't cure the gambling appetite, that's for sure. But I took that money, and I bought a Takamini guitar, uh, acoustic. Tell us about your first guitar. Oh, uh, I guess technically really the first guitar that I ever really played on was my mom's ovation that she had in the seventies. And, uh, we still have it. Um, still sounds great. Um, that's kind of what I started picking around on. And then from there, um, had a weird pawn shop. I don't even remember the brand, but it was a Telecaster body and it had pineapples on it. <laughs> and, um, Somehow, like, uh, it was probably really cheap, and my folks convinced me that it was really cool to have pineapples on it. So, uh, Jimmy Buffett, man. That I remember. And then, um, a couple years later, after I got really serious with it, um, I remember my folks bought a Les Paul from a friend of mine, and I, I know they got it for pretty cheap, which is kind of crazy. I still give them crap about it because, uh, I still have the guitar. I just got it refurbished, um, about a year ago, but it's a, uh, 81 Les Paul standard. Nice, man. And, uh, that was what I considered like my real, like true first guitar. Cause it was the first like serious guitar I had that didn't have pineapples on it. <laughs> I know I've convinced my son that things are cool too. Sometimes he has what parents do. That's what we're good for. It's like, you know, the, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I just said, you know, it, was, it reminds me of Jimmy Buffett, man. And, I'm sure he'd be more than happy. Or Kenny Chesney. I mean, they probably play yeah. some pineapple guitar. <laughs> Definitely the, the one that my parents uh, tried to convince me of. <laughs> so, well, so then, how did bass develop in your life? I mean, I mean, you know, not, they're not too far apart from each other, but you know, bass is a totally separate beast. Yeah, um, I think my first, first real exposure of bass was playing in church. Um, at the time, in like the kind of mid to late nineties, when I was, you know, playing in the church group, it was when like Third Day and DC Talk and Jars of Clay were really big, and it was like Christian alternative music and playing in like a evangelical Southern Baptist church. It was like outreaching to the youth was playing that kind of music. So our our church wasn't like hymns and 
gospel songs. It was, you know, George Clay, DC Talk, that kind of stuff. Like yeah. up tempo, um, kind of where I guess the term praise and worship songs came from. So the bands were always made of just whoever was in the youth group that was an aspiring musician. So usually had one or two adults that would kind of lead everything. And then the kids would just kind of fill in. I mean, teenagers at this point would kind of fill in whoever was doing stuff. So sometimes I play guitar and then there's a bunch of times where it's like, Hey, we need a bass player. And I'd kind of pick it up and pretend like I knew I was doing <laughs> But um, I didn't really start trying to develop bass until I got into Three Doors. Yeah. Well, that's a long ways. That's a long ways from playing in the church choir. Yeah. <laughs> well, I between those two things. I would imagine. Uh, <laughs> no, it's funny you say that because I was actually I went to a Baptist Christian high school and we had a, a live band. It was electric band, and we didn't have really teachers that were directing us though it was but it was it was in san diego it was, it was i was living out there my junior senior year and they would actually pay to have bands come in big christian bands and jars of clay and things like that had played there and and what during uh worship we would we would play during the week and um i wasn't playing guitar then really i was more singing uh, more than anything but i was in the choir but it was you know i could totally relate to that you recorded the song "She Got the Highway." Yeah, I read you were a self-proclaimed highway runner, yeah. and on those long late-night drives, you'd listen to mixtapes of all your favorites, like Waylon Jennings. I'm sure Merle Haggard probably made his way in there. How would you define being a highway runner? Um, it's like that kind of free spirit. I guess nowadays you don't really have to necessarily to be on a highway. Um, since we're kind of confined, but I think it's it's that spirit of adventure. Um, you know, those pioneers and cowboys and all that kind of stuff. It's I think at the core, it's the same thing. It's that you know, want to travel, need to travel, see new things, uh, have new experiences. You know, kind of get out and be self reflective on the road. I think that's where a lot of my songs come from. Is whenever I have to drive from wherever i'm driving to the store sometimes even um it's just that like moment of kind of clarity where you just all you're doing is driving yeah and um i think there's uh there's obviously freedom in that and i think that at the core it's just that free spirit do you think that alone time is not only good for your creativity but for your mental health absolutely how would you how would you say that it's good for your mental health um i think for the for the most part, most of us nowadays, like from the time we get up to the time we go to bed, we're computers, email, we're checking social media, we're on TV. Like there's a constant bombardment of outside influencing junk. And hopefully whenever most of us are driving, we're not on our phones. But um, I know for me, like whenever I'm a long drive, that's like my chance to kind of filter everything out. All I'm doing is going down the road, paying attention to the driving and kind of reshuffle things in my head and think out like plans for whatever music's coming up or whatever other stuff's kind of in the works. Well, let's go ahead and jump into that. So what, what are some of the things that are coming up for you? Um, I've got a lot 
a lot of new music coming up. Um, working on some shows here and there as things kind of open. Um, I've been, by the grace of God, getting really good success with my newest single down in Texas. So kind of working on a radio tour type thing for that. Um, actually working on trying to do a little bit more acting, um, finding <laughs> some different things coming up here and there to, to do since I was in a, a Western and kind of caught the bug. Um, yeah, you recently were just working on a Western set. Yeah, um, that was my first time ever actually doing any kind of real acting, and it was very cool. Had a really good time. Yeah, it's uh, it can become addictive. You know, it's yeah. it's amazing to watch an army move a mountain because it does. It takes a lot of people to make a film or a TV show, and then of course, just the, the atmosphere is great. You know, you, you yeah. finally you kind of you kind of can see all that behind the scenes stuff, what happens and it does becomes addictive. It's a it's a it's a great group of people to be around and of course you got, you know, food that's available to you, you know, people asking you, Do you, do you need some water? Do you need some water? You're like, If I drink any more water, I'm gonna pee my pants. But yeah. you know, but they just take care of you. you can't move. <laughs> You're like, all right, well, I shouldn't have drank all that water because now I'm sitting here for an hour. They <laughs> take all these different angles. Exactly. So I mean, this might be a redundant question because, I mean, the people that haven't heard your country music and they only know you from three doors down, how do you explain that segue? I mean, obviously, you're from North Carolina. You probably grew up in the mountains in a country town. Um, What would you say to those people that haven't discovered your music? Um, I guess it's kind of always been in my blood. Um, my dad always wanted to be a country singer. Growing up, he was always singing. It was always on. That was uh, the primary music that I heard growing up was country. And um, I think, like, through life experience and travel and, and kind of living out that kind of highway man kind of thing, um, just naturally started coming out of me. And with my songwriting and then with my singing, and um, there's a – like I've, I've always said, like I'm just going to put out stuff that I care about and things that I've written that I, I've, you know, believe in. I'm not going to put out something just to try to be on the radio. So there's authenticity as much as possible. Well, it's certainly truthful and it's really fantastic. So, what is the significance behind your inspiration of the single worth hanging on to? Um. Yeah. So that. I actually started writing that chorus while I was driving. Um, I played some shows, uh, I guess, back in October, I think, is when I started writing that one. And I uh, played a bunch down in Texas, and I was came home for like a day or two, went up to Kentucky and was coming back. And my truck was totally filthy. Like, it was covered in dust from, like, all these different states. And uh, that's kind of where that first line came from was this truck. Might be worn out, covered in dust, but it still runs. And uh, I don't know what it was, but that just kind of got me thinking as I was driving about how today's society is just kind of this throwaway culture. Like, no matter what it is, if it's not really working, we just throw it away and get a new one. And start thinking about how that kind of carries over with relationships with people, too. Um, just things not lasting because it's, you know, as soon as the newness wears off or the honeymoon period's over, just throw it out and get a new one. 
And that got me thinking about all those different parts in the song and stuff. And um, I took it into a co-write with some friends here in town a couple of days later. And they loved it. They were like, hey, this is really cool. So we finished up the verses and um, I started taking it on the road before everything shut down. And it was one of those first songs that I was really able to do that with. After I wrote it, I was able to get out on the road and play it for people and kind of do some market research with it and see if it was hitting. Yeah. And I had three shows in a row where there was a woman right up front while I was playing that when I got done with that song, they were crying. Yeah. And uh, something in those lyrics really hit them and they were like, please record that. So as soon as I got home and I guess it was after the holidays, um, I got with my producer, Max Gabriel, and we recorded that and, we had a uh, Janae Fleener, um, really awesome fiddle player. She she loved it. Put down amazing fiddle on it, and it was ready to go. And I had plans for it to release earlier than I did, but all the COVID stuff happened, yeah. and things shut down. And um, as we waned on into like a month or two of that, it, the song started taking on more relevance to me, and. Um, really started taking relevance once I put it out and people heard the lyrics and it started getting out to folks that are like, Hey, this is, you know, worth hanging on to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended, but man, it, it definitely was. And I'm glad to hear that uh, the audience members were reacting to it and everybody else reacted to it because it really is a special piece of music. All your music's great. That song it happens to be one of my particular favorites. You know, I, I recently had an interview with Mary Wilson, the late Mary Wilson uh, of the Supremes. It was one of my first interviews, and she was one of my first guests on the podcast. And she would talk about the importance of, of journaling and writing down your feelings. Did you journal early on or do anything like that? Is that how the writing bug came about, or when did you start writing? Um, I can't remember exactly when. I don't necessarily remember writing journals i've got one memory I've got dear diary this is your friend justin <laughs> <laughs> um for uh home alone 2 he had the talk boy yeah like the little recorder yeah. thing so I, was, I guess i was nine years old when that movie came out and i was up visiting my grandparents in michigan they lived in detroit and uh, i spent a whole summer up there with them which was awesome. I'm really glad I got to do that. And uh, granddad was a woodworker, so we worked in the shop all the time. And uh, I remember finding one of the, I guess the the movie as um, products and stuff for the movie put out Talk Boys, and it was just a tape recorder, but it was you know the Home Alone Talk Boy. And uh, I found one at a thrift shop with my grandma, and we bought it. And I recorded because we, we went over to uh, Windsor one day in Canada. Mm -hmm. It was like the first time I ever went out of the country. And I've recorded that trip, like, journal-style speaking into that top boy, <laughs> like Kevin McAllister did in Home Alone too. But um, I've got that tape somewhere. My grandma found it and gave it to me. But um, I guess as far as journaling, that's, that's about as much as I did with that. But um, – I always had a little notebook with me and just kind of wrote down random lyrics. And I never, like, I guess that started around high school um, when you're kind of angsty and 
you know, mad at the world for whatever and listen to punk rock and yeah. I just started writing down stuff and none of it ever made any sense or anything came of it. And I'm sure if I ever found it, it'd be really embarrassing and terrible. But um, <laughs> that's kind of where it carried over once I, you know, started playing more seriously in bands and uh, taking it serious um, on that end. I think that's where I started kind of trying to put those thoughts together. And then uh, getting into country music, I think that's when it really started coming out. Yeah. Well, I grew up in country music a lot like you, and I noticed as I got older, too, uh, you know, I went through my phase. I was a younger actor living in Hollywood, and it's not a phase. Look, I love punk rock. I love, you know, all kinds of rock, and I still, I mean, I, I lately, my, my my workout session is like some STP station on, like, <laughs> on Spotify, <laughs> so I got all those, those, like, high school songs that are all back, and I'm like, man, this stuff's good. I can lift weights yeah. to this stuff. <laughs> So, uh, but, but, you know, I found country music again, you know, I never lost it. It was always there, but it just became, you know, for forefront in my life. And those lyrics meant so much more and the lyrics came easy for me too, writing. So it was a, it was a way of, I don't know, for me mentally, it was a way of coping. Yeah. I, I could cope through things I was going in my life by writing lyrics down or talking my story through the lyrics and through a melody Something a lot of people might not know about you is you're involved with Sacred West Trading Company. How did that all come about? Um, it's something that I always kind of had ideas for. Um, especially, I'm sure you know, too, like being on Instagram, you get hit up every single day from some new company that wants you to wear their stuff. And some of it's cool. Some of it's like, yeah, it's not really me. I'm, they're just trying to product out, which is great. But, um, I guess coming from like an artistic background, I was always drawing. I was doing my leather work stuff and um, always had like, I always kind of designed my own merch whenever I was doing stuff. I had kind of clear visions of how I wanted things to look. And um, once everything shut down for COVID, um, I was kind of sitting around with some time on my hands and started doing a little research. I had a couple of friends that talked about this like drop ship stuff and, new technology um, to where you, you don't have to have a whole printing press operation set up in a warehouse in your garage or something to uh, kind of get the, the groundwork of a company together. And I think that was the big motivator because I always assumed that I had to have, you know, all this equipment to start putting my designs onto shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff. And, have 500 t-shirts in the garage that you're trying to get into stores or sell somewhere which could be become a huge overhead yeah huge huge overhead and um i think that's where a lot of these new companies are kind of starting up because eventually you'd like to get to that point but it's kind of tough to get anything together to start there so with um dropship and all these different kind of companies it's kind of made to order stuff so you can keep design cycling as long as your website looks good you can um kind of keep offering these products in a, in a big sense without having to pile it up in the living room and pray somebody buys it so um i got with one of my best friends um darren cersey he's worked in the industry for a long time with music stuff and we've been friends for over 20 years um he's actually the guy i got that les paul from and 
he's really good with programming. He knows how to do all the computer stuff, all the coding, all that good stuff, which I have no idea how to do. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> we started talking, and he's really good with design stuff, too. And uh, I love the Wild West. I love Westerns, all that kind of stuff. So there's a huge inspiration from that design style. And we both just kind of started running with some stuff and putting it together and uh, launched it. We worked on it July, August, September, and really got some stuff kind of fine-tuned. And we were quietly ordering things and making sure they look good and launched it back in October and been building it ever since. Well, I have to tell you, you got some really cool stuff. I particularly love the Native Vintage Jewelry Collection. Uh, it's you know another thing we have in common. I, I love all that stuff, the turquoise jewelry. Now, what draws you to pieces like that? Um, I think it's it really started from my mom. And whenever we would travel, we in North Carolina, we grew up like right next to the Cherokee Indian Reservation. And going there like in little shops and stuff down on their little main drag they always had that stuff and they were getting it from you know the southwest um natives that were making it but it was you know a prominent thing in that kind of tourism area um on the reservation and in like gatlinburg pigeon forge all that stuff was just kind of cowboy western stuff so growing up you go out you know on a trip and back then it was always really cheap so we'd get a ring or like a little necklace thing. And um, I think that's kind of where it started because my mom was really into it. And she had cool pieces that were like passed down through the family and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think once I started like really traveling, um, like out of high school, traveling out west with bands or traveling with three doors, I just kind of kept that up a little bit. And um, I always say, like, it sounds kind of weird, but, like, sometimes those things just kind of find me. Because so you go into a shop, and they've got all this stuff, but then there's one thing, like, back in the corner, kind of hidden behind a bunch of other junk that you're like, whoa, what's that? And it's, like, there's no telling how long it's been there. In antique stores, or yeah. I found a ring at a post office one time. And um, I always just say that kind of stuff finds me, I guess. There's kind of a weird spiritual draw to it, I guess. It sounds kind of cheesy, but... No, it's, it's not cheesy at all, man. Every time I'm in New, Me- New Mexico and Santa Fe, uh, I was working out there doing a film a couple years ago, and I'd already had gone there with my wife, and of course, you know, we went around and, you know, bartered with the natives and, and um, you know, different tribe groups that were all throughout, and, you know, they, they, they lay out their goods there in the middle of the town square. But then there's lots of other shops, too. I'm particularly drawn to the antique versions of the the turquoise and precious stones that they 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 do uh, there's just something about it you know even stuff that's like from the 60s and you know just the styles you know they, they change but yeah. it's just it's just cool i get it man and if i don't come back home with something <laughs> you better believe i'm gonna get it talking to <laughs> so uh here's a question for you and this is uh, something that parallels with the Boys Town, which Boys Town is, is who I'm sponsored by through my podcast, and Boys Town is a place for kids who are displaced, and they've been around since the Great Depression. They've been doing great works for years and years. They're a massive organization, and uh, I'm so thankful for them. But they they have 
an expression, and it's a famous song. It's called, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, right? So I'm asking you, because we've all, myself included, everybody I've interviewed, at some point in our lives, somebody has had to carry us. Justin, who carried you? Like it just, I, I don't even know if it's one particular person. There's, I've had a, a group that at different times has been that support and that carrying aura, I guess. Um, Saw you through. Mother and father, they've always been very supportive. Um, My grandmother, big time. Um, Buddy Darren, uh, like I said, we've been friends for 20 years. Um, Other friend Bernie, he's a... We've been friends for a very long time, and he works with our crew, and he's just always kind of a, a backup that uh, I can rely on. Um, my girlfriend, she's uh, you know that support system always. Um, yeah, I think it's it's like I I don't picture one person. I see like almost like this whole like kind of tribe. Like it takes a village to help me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's all right. Because you know what, it's a, it's, it's a, you know because people love us for who we are, and they they want to help us in any way. And it's a really important thing to recognize. I I think for myself and for everybody, for our good our own mental health is to recognize how we've gotten to where we are, yep. and what it's taken to get there. And your grandma, obviously, your mom and dad, your friend Darren, all those people, your girlfriend. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And uh, I hope I'm, you know, that that person for someone else as well. I would imagine, you know, I imagine that they are. I bet you are, because if they're helping you, you know, along the way, you've obviously helped them along the way. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. it's a gift that keeps on giving. That's yeah. why we have friends. That's why we have family. Yeah. It's a way to live live your life too. That's right. I want to thank you. Again, for opening up and taking the time to talk to all of our listeners on Real Conversations, sponsored by Boys Town. And whether you're a Justin Bilton and fan of Three Doors Down or a fan of Bolt's solo career, you make sure you check out JustinBilton.com and follow Justin on all of his social media platforms. Justin, remind us again where they could find all the cool you know, jewelry and all the, the great stuff. It's uh, SacredWestTrading.com. And you can follow us on Instagram. It's uh, Sacred West Trading. Uh, it's easy to find. And then um, Justin, three doors down on Instagram. It's kind of my main main little hub there. Um, so you can find everything off of that. There's some definitely cool threads there, great accessories. Check it out, sacredwesttrading.com. Justin, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate it. This is a, a cool thing you got going with the – the approach and the conversation with this. So I appreciate you uh, having me on. And we appreciate you too, man. And thank you so much. Real Conversations is proud to announce our partnership with Lane Frost Brand. We'll be doing a monthly giveaway of a different item each and every month. So be sure to enter. All you have to do is follow at Real Conversations with Jacob on Instagram, tag two friends, and be sure to download the latest episode of my podcast. And in the meantime, make sure you check out all the amazing merchandise for the whole family at lanefrost.com.
like to bring on the manager of the Boys Town National Hotline and our resident professional, Chris Hallstrom. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Jacob. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. It was an interesting conversation with Justin. He's had quite a career, of course, being a part of Three Doors Down, which had multiple hits, and they've had their ups and downs, but now he's also got the same time as got this budding solo career, and we talked a lot about his music and some of the inspiration and what those words mean, and Worth Hanging On To definitely spoke to me. How about yourself? Oh, same thing. I um, I had to listen to the song to re-listen to all those lyrics um, after you spoke with him, um, and it, it is a very good message because it, it's so easy in today's world to want to move on to something new all the time. He talked about his dusty old truck and realized it's still getting him where it needs to get, and um, I think it just it's a good reminder for all of us to just sit back sometimes maybe and be grateful for what we have and not always feel like we have to have something new, some shiny brand new toy. Um, Cause it is easy to get caught up in that kind of thing in today's world. Yeah. And specific, I mean, specifically, of course, and I mean, everybody's life, it can be something to get caught up in, but it specifically can get caught up in music a lot, you know, because music and mainstream, it's all about trucks and cars and, you know, the, the music videos and things like that. So it's really refreshing to see somebody take that perspective uh, and uh, know that that's, that's not all that matters in life. Uh, right. I, you know, that can be a, equated it to relationships, how sometimes when the newness wears off of a relationship, it's easy to feel like, OK, it's time to move on. And wow, yeah, if if that is kind of the way people think, that that can be a problem. <laughs> um, you know, a- appreciate the comfort of the relationships that you have around you and yeah, and appreciate the, like the good and the bad with the relationship, right? even if the shine wears off, you know. How do you reintroduce that new level of uh, excitement back into your relationship and making sure that you know you're not Allowing your partner to feel that way. That's something, you know, I've, I mean, I, I've been fortunate to have a wonderful relationship with my wife, but I know that happens a lot with a lot of couples, especially after 10, 15, 20 years of marriage. And, you know, finding that common ground is something to, uh, it's worth hanging on to. Right. Well, and, <laughs> and it takes work. You know, every relationship takes work. Nothing's going to be easy. And I think, um, I think we've talked about that in the past, too, how sometimes it's very easy to for kids to grow up and think they're not going to have to deal with problems or they look at at other people's lives and think they're not experiencing problems. So you've, you've got to put the work in when it comes to relationships, when things start to kind of aren't as shiny and new anymore. Um, put the work in. Put the work the effort. in. Yeah. You know, he also talked about, of course, we talked about, you know, people carrying him in his life. And he seemed to have a very great upbringing, which is refreshing in a lot of sense, because, you know, there's a lot of people that I talk to and it's they don't necessarily have that solid background. But it sounds like to me that he had a really supportive family that believed in him musically when music can be a a dream that's that's just so far out that most parents can't grasp. But he right. said, I want to do this at a very early age. And they had a supportive family. Yeah. And I loved hearing that too. And not only was his family somebody that he could um, list off, but he talked about just friends and all sorts of other people and how fortunate of him to be in that kind of a situation. And then I'd love too that he made the comment that um, 
that like other people have been there for him, he wants to be able to do that same thing for other people too. So that, that, that was a very nice thing to hear from him. Yeah, he had mentioned so many people that he who have helped him along the way. Yep. Um, obviously, including his parents, and he was talking about several people in his life musically that have helped and supportive of him. And it really does. It you know I think it takes an army, especially in the music world, of support because it's harder than it ever has been. I mean, it always was hard getting signed with a record label, but with the independent artistry that's that's out there now, yeah, anybody can record an album, anybody can release an album, anybody can do their own promotion, but how far that goes really is going to depend on how big your support group is. Right. Lots of ups and downs. Lots of ups and downs. I can totally see that. So for him, his family was worth holding on to. That's right. Truly, that the song... That song was impressive. So yeah, his 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 lyrics are strong. Yeah, that's one of the things too that we talk to kids about when they reach out to us at the hotline is sometimes you sit back and be thankful and grateful for the things that you have in your life Um, because it can seem so overwhelming and everything's going wrong. But um, whether it's just coming up with a blessings list, everything that you're grateful for, or um, we tell some people to try and get into the habit of, of name three things every day that you're grateful for. When you, First thing when you wake up in the morning or the last thing you, you think of when you go to bed at night, what are three things I'm thankful for? What are three things that went really well? Um, and I think just that whole being grateful and being mindful and content sometimes with what you have is really important. That's something I would like to practice a little bit more of. I mean, I know I think about things randomly throughout the day, but to say something when you first wake up or even first go to bed, those are your first thoughts in the morning, the last thoughts you go to bed. So that's a a really nice idea and a great exercise to get into. Uh, I think I'm actually going to give that one a try. There you go. (laughs) It's the attitude of gratitude is what it is. Attitude of gratitude. I like that. Yeah. Well, uh, any other advice uh, you were taking, making a blessing list? How, how does that work? Um, one thing, just to, to get the thoughts down on paper, a lot of times what happens is people are um, focusing on all the bad things that are going on in their life, and it's so easy to get down in that hole, and that's all you can see is the bad stuff. So just to have a list, whether it's in a notebook somewhere or something that you post and just get them all on paper, like, oh, yeah, I have this going for me, or um, I'm good at this, or I'm thankful for these people in my life. And sometimes it's just very simple, like, I'm thankful the sun is shining today, <laughs> or um, I'm glad my cold is better, I don't feel, you know, or I got a good night's sleep, whatever. Um, it can be simple things, but I think if you train your brain to look at the positives, it really can help. And then if you, if you, do a whole list at once or do a few a day. Um, then sometimes it's good to go back and look at that list on those bad days or when you're down in the dumps or when you're feeling like you're down in that hole, what are things I've been thankful for in the past? So it, it's just a good way to train your brain to look at the positives. And that's about all the time we have for today. Real Conversations with Jacob Young, the mental health podcast is sponsored by Boys Town. At Boys Town, their slogan is, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. And for over 100 years, Boys Town has been saving children and healing families. They're only one call away, and they're always there to help. Please go to boystown.org for all the details on how to access Boys Town's health services, or again, simply go to yourlifeyourvoice.org. And if you're in crisis or need of immediate help, please call the trained counselors at Boys Town National Hotline, 800-448-3000, 
or text VOICE to 20121. Thanks again for joining me on Real Conversations. I'm Jacob Young. Until next time, love yourself and love each other.